Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. I never lost my hope. I never lost my joy. I never lost my faith. But through it all, someone say, but through it all, but through it all, I still have my praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Gospel Choir, you know, that song, your sermonic psalm today was so fitting for the word that the Lord has placed on my heart because sometimes we lose that joy. Sometimes we lose that faith. Sometimes we lose that hope. But through it all, but through it all, we'll never lose our praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So fitting, so fitting, so fitting. Good morning. Good morning, my Shiloh family. Good morning. It is such a pleasure to stand in the stead of our bishop today. I don't count this lightly, but I count it as a great privilege for allowing him, for him allowing me the opportunity to speak what thus says the Lord. And I'm going to be obedient to the Holy Spirit, if that's all right. You know, I, I've done my part, but I'm going to surrender my will to God's will and so that the Spirit of the Lord can move within me. And, you know, I, that, that song is just still with me. It's just still with me. It just touched my heart. It just touched my heart. And, and you're going to see as, as, I, as I move into our message for this morning on how it was ordained by the Lord for you to sing that song. So thank you, Minister Lamont, for, for letting God use you, the choir, and the musicians on that song there. Because I, I, I just think about it. When I just think about how God's been good, I can't help but give him praise. And what is the highest praise? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And to our bishop, I thank you, our bishop. Bishop has always been a friend, he's always been my mentor, and he's always a leader that I emulate to be. I, I, I try to have that characteristics of the man of God. And to the, our first lady, the woman of excellence in her absence. Again, I, I, I respect and honor our first lady as well. And to my lovely wife, Elder Tasha Martin who, we, we were at a, a function um, this past week, and, and my wife got up and spoke, and, and then, you know, we always acknowledge each other, but one of the things that she said, that, 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 that we live by it, you know, we, we really live by it. She says, no matter what, all through our challenges and all through everything that life might bring towards us, she's a ride or die. And I thank you for my ride or die. Thank you for being my ride or die. And to my children, Robert and Trefina, which will probably be watching through Ustream, Daddy loves you. I love my children. And to the diaconate board, my brothers in Christ, to the deaconess, I always talk about their hats, how I love those lovely hats that they wear when it's that time. And to my colleagues in the ministry, I greet you this morning in the name of Jesus. And to you, my Shiloh family, who I love, I love, I love. You know, coming to Connecticut from New York, 
we don't really have that immediate family here, but you guys have adopted my wife, my family, and I as immediate family. So whenever I go away for a period of time, whether it's work or vacationing, I miss my family. So it's good to stand before you this morning. Amen. So the message, the text was read this morning, but I would like to read it from the New Living Translation. So that'll be Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 34, and I'll be reading it right now through the New Living Translation. And if you're able, let's please stand. The Word of God reads as, around midnight, someone say midnight, 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 midnight. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see that the prison doors were wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for a light and ran down to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then everyone in the household was immediately baptized. He brought them into the house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to speak a word unto thy people. I ask, Lord, that the word touch their heart, spirit, mind, body, and soul. Oh, Father, I was going one direction, but I struggled with you, and you brought me back to this direction. You even proven yourself to me this morning by the songs that the choir have sung. So, Father, now as I Remove myself so that you can increase yourself within me. I pray and ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Entering into the year of 2020, leaving the year of 2019 behind us, we heard throughout the entire year preaching and teaching related to Shiloh's theme in 2019, the year of the Lord's manifested favor. We heard this message through morning service, sermonic sermons. We heard Bishop eloquently preach this theme week after week. We heard Bible study lessons living life challenges, but they all connected us back to this theme 
live in God's manifested favor. We had different church programs that went on throughout the year where this thing was also adopted into their programs. So whatever means necessary, Bishop found in the congregation also adapted in finding creative ways to extrapolate the theme into our spirit. So that we close the end of the year, entering into 2020 being the year of the Lord's double manifested favor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's a word within itself, but I leave that to Bishop. <laughs> but, but with that being said, the Lord placed in my spirit for some time now that there are some of us that are still dealing. There are some of us still doubting if 2019 was really our personal year of the Lord's manifested favor. If that is the case, then it would be safe to say, how can we start off 2020 believing that we will receive double favor from the Lord? With that in mind, I would like you to repeat my sermon title for the, this morning. Don't doubt the favor. Don't doubt the favor. Don't doubt the favor. Many of us, if not all of us, will, will agree that there are times in our lives we find ourselves living day to day. We find ourselves living these day to day routines without even thinking much about it. We wake up in the morning, we get ourselves dressed, and we start to go through these routines. It's not even a thought. I get in my car in the morning, I head down to Bridgeport, I travel down 95, and I'm programmed to go that direction. I'm programmed to get off exit 27A. I'm programmed to go onto North Avenue and go into the facility. My daily routine, I'm programmed to do that. If anyone was to ask us why is that, our response would probably would say, it's just part of life. It's just part of what we do. It's part of life. My daily routine is what I have to do for myself and for my family. It's a sense of survival in this crazy world that we live in. It's something that we got to do every day, get up in the morning, so we can survive in this world that we live in. On the same note, if, we're if we are employed with a job that requires us to get up at a certain time, to be to work on a certain time. You know what I'm talking about. Some of us like to make our own schedule. Not abide by the schedule that's put in place by our employer. You, you, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Now, now, now we're forced to do what we have to do, part of those job requirements. It's part of that survival mechanism that I just talked about. That's what we have to do. We have to do what we have to do. We go to bed a decent hour so we can get a good night's sleep, knowing that if we don't get a good night's sleep and our boss meet us at the door in the morning, it says, you're late again? We done had a conversation about this. What's going on here? You're late again? 
and, and you're thinking, man, or woman, you don't even know. Just, just please give me a break. Please give me a break. I, I, I don't want to lose it up in here. I, I really don't. All along, we're not coming in the time we're supposed to come in. But, but it becomes part of that routine. So we avoid, try to avoid that problem. Try to avoid that conflict that we possibly could have in the morning. We, 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 we set our alarm clocks. We have our clocks on our phones. We have our clocks on our uh, uh, a landline or, or, or portable clocks. We set them so that we don't have those issues in the morning with our employer. Then we say, all right, we got our clocks set. It's all good. It's all good, Deke. I can do this. It's all good. Now morning rolls around. Clock goes off. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, Lou. We're hitting, we're reaching for that snooze button, trying to buy ourselves a little bit more time. You, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. And then if you're like me, you roll over a little bit, grab that cover. Say, I, I got a few more minutes. I got a few more minutes. And then your clock downstairs start chiming and ringing, letting you know that it's time to get up. So they say, only if I can have a few more minutes. The more I thought about this being a guilty party, that was me I was talking about. No, none of you. That, that was just me. Being a good part, being the guilty party, it simply brought me back to that 2019 theme. If 2019 was supposed to be our year of manifested favor, now we're declaring 2020 as that double favor, how do we deal with the doubt in our lives? How do we deal with it? That is a frequently question that we ask ourselves. And then when we really think about how do we deal with it or why we doubt, it's due to the frequently causes by life challenges. Our life challenges causes us. And going back to making it work on time, my illustration there, I begin to realize that we spend too much time and energy that it takes to do what is required of us. We miss the mark. We miss the mark of acknowledging the favor the Lord has provided us. You know, we focus on everything else, but we miss the mark. We miss the mark. We acknowledge that the, we fail to acknowledge the fact that, praise God for allowing us to have a job. <laughs> praise God for just waking us up in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he didn't have to do it. So many of us did not wake up in the morning. There are so many of us that don't have a job to get up in the morning. So praise God. Praise God. We missed that mark. We missed that mark time and time and time and time again, acknowledging God for what he has done in our lives. Our, our focus is off. Our focus is off. We're not focused correctly. We don't have our eye on the prize. We don't focus. My dear brothers and sisters, I came to let you know this morning that it's all good. We're not exempt from the doubt when it comes to the Lord's favor on our lives. One thing we can all 
count on for sure, doubt will come throughout life challenges. I'm going to say that again. Doubt will come throughout life challenges. So, preacher, preacher, preacher. It's hard for me to see the Lord's favor in my life. When I just lost a loved one, I just lost my mother, father, sister, brother, cousin, auntie. I just lost someone I really cared about. So how can I go and see that favor upon my life? How, preacher? How, preacher? You're telling me it sounds easy what you're saying and what you're telling us, how you're articulating that to us, but I have to keep it real with you. It's hard, preacher. It's hard. I just lost my job, preacher. I don't know how I'm going to feed my family. My children are going to bed, looking at me, telling me, Mommy, Daddy, I'm hungry. My, my soul is touched. My soul is hurting. These are my babies. I don't know what I'm going to do. They depend on me to take care of them. They're my babies. What do I do? If that's not your story, you might be faced with addiction. I, I got injured at work. Now I received a prescription where they put me on opioids. So now I'm addicted to it. And they're telling me that I have a problem. But all along, I've been working hard, and now I'm addicted. I've been to outpatient. I've been to treatment programs. But I still have issues, the issues of life. My children are acting up. I've done all that I can do. I wanted them to go on the right path that I had planned for their life. But suddenly, they got a little bit off course. How do I get them back on course to keep them guided and to, to, to drive them and show them the love where I had for them to go? How can I not have doubt when adversity, trials, and life circumstances continues to be knocking at my door time after time after time after time? How, preacher? How can I believe this year is the Lord's double manifested favor for my life when I don't even know if the Lord has me on his mind? How do we do that? I want to believe, Elder Martin. I, I really want to believe. I, I want you to believe. I want to believe. I really do. But I need you, preacher, to help my unbelief. This is a question. This is a question that we, we, we find ourselves daily dealing with. But guess what? Someone say, guess what? Guess what? Guess what? My brothers and sisters, I have some good news for you. That's not the end of the story. We don't have to get stuck there. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Because we serve a God that can do anything but fail. We serve a mighty and powerful God. So we don't have to get stuck there. Because we know it's not the end of the story. We have favor. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't doubt the favor. Don't doubt the favor. Don't doubt the favor. And if that neighbor wasn't convincing, turn to your other neighbor and say, neighbor, don't doubt the favor. Don't doubt the favor. Don't doubt the favor. Okay. 
So let, let, let's take a, a few moments to see if we can work this thing out. I, I like to, me, well, you know, I'm the type of person, when I see a situation, I like to look at it up front, try to process it in my mind, and then, unfortunately, I don't like to read instructions. <laughs> so I always have a few pieces left over when I'm putting things together, but I figure it out. I, I get it done, I figure it out. So, 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 we, we, we're going to try to work this thing out here. We're going to work it out. We're going to work it out. And understanding that our doubt slips into our mind during life, life challenges, it is equally safe to say one reason is that we allow this is that we put our focus on the circumstance, not the favor. We put it on the circumstance. Start focusing on the favor that's already been provided. And watch what the Lord will do in 2020. Focus on the favor and not your situation. It is your due season. Let's focus on the favor. Let's go back to the text. In revisiting the text, we find that we don't have to fret about our favor. It provides us with an outline on how to resist the doubt. If you notice, I did not say it provides us with an outline on how to lose the doubt. I said on how to resist the doubt. Why is that? I said resist the doubt because if I was being transparent and honest, the doubt will always come back. We will, as human beings, always tend to have that doubt even though we know we're blessed and highly favored by the Lord. If the Lord's favor is upon us, we're safe and we're secure within that favor. The reassurance that this is, is that we have means to deal with it, which is found in the text. But before we dive into the text, I would like to take a moment to set the scene by providing a little historical, historical background of the text. In doing such, what we find in the earlier verses, beginning at verse 16, we find that the Apostle Paul and his companion were on their way to a place of prayer in Philippi. When they arrived there, they were met by a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. During this time, fortune-telling was common in the practice in Greek and the Roman culture. Many commentators suggest that there were many methods by which people thought they could foretell the future events by interpreting omens in the nature to communicating with the spirit of the dead. Nevertheless, nevertheless, this young slave girl had an evil spirit that made her master rich by interpreting and telling people fortunes. As Paul and his companion continued to the place of prayer, the Bible lets us know that the younger girl continued to follow them day by day. So they were going day after day. And then they were met by this young girl that kept following them. Then the men, she started yelling, these are men, servants of the highest God. They have come to tell you all how to be saved. 
So the, the, this spirit was talking every day as they followed him, saying that there are men of God that came to tell them and tell that community on how to be saved. Stay with me, stay with me for a moment. It is here where we find that the evil spirit that possessed the young girl knew that Paul and his companion had what? Favor from God. The favor was on their lives, and these demonic forces realized that. They were recognized as servants of the Most High God. Although the recognition was true, Paul became upset. He became annoyed due to the source of the knowledge being demonic. If we look closely at the text, what we will find is Paul was in a tricky situation here. Paul knew that if he had accepted the demon's word, the appearance could have possibly appeared to be linking the good news, the word of God, with a demonic force. So the, that, that, was a, that was a tricky situation to say it's true that they were men of God, but if we acknowledge this young girl with demonic forces and spirits upon her, then what we're saying is that we're giving knowledge to it, the demonic forces. How many times have you heard someone say something that was true, but the purpose mo wasn't motivated by God? Have you, have you ever been there? You, you purchase a new home or a new car only to have someone tell you, the Lord is blessing you all the time. He keeps on blessing you. And he goes on to say, or she goes on to say, you're blessed and highly favored. You're so blessed, you even receive double favor because your children, your household, and everyone around you is blessed. And then later on, only to find out that they were saying, boy, oh boy, I don't know why they got that new house, that new car. No, they can't put the gas in that thing. No, they can't live in that house right there. So we look at it. What they said about the favor was true because we are blessed and highly favored serving the Lord. But the motive that they had in their hearts were not of God. So, so we, we can understand how these men of God were feeling when they were faced with this situation that they had to possibly deal with, how that can, that can hinder you when you make those decisions. Now Paul is faced with a situation knowing that, being that the truth was said, the person telling it was not of God, so what did he do? Paul decided that, okay, I have to cast the demon out of this girl. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. I cast you out right now in the name of Jesus. You have no right over this young girl. You cannot possess this soul. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you right now. In the name of Jesus, it was at that very moment, her fortune-telling powers were gone. They were rebuked, and the demons fled. The Bible goes on to let us know that Paul and his companion Silas was grabbed by the girl's master. Now, as I said earlier, that was the master's moneymaker. So now he doesn't have a moneymaker anymore. 
So he grabbed them. He grabbed them and handed them over to Roman authorities where they were beaten, thrown in jail for a crime they didn't commit. Now, I don't know about you, but it seems a good time right there that many of us, maybe even myself included, would have started to doubt that favor. Here we have Paul and Silas, men of God doing the will of God, being beaten and thrown in jail for a crime they did not commit. They were peaceful men. They had favor on them. Despite of being stripped of their clothes, beaten and placed in jail, one could only imagine they knew that crucifixion was on its way. That was the next step. Their lives were going to be taken. Again, for me, that, that sounds pretty a good time that you would hope that one would start doubting their favor. For, the most, for most of all, we would have started doubting our favor the minute that we were arrested. We, we, we would start doubting it. You get pulled over, we get pulled over by not doing the speed limit. We see the lights and sirens. Instead of us saying, thank you, Jesus, for not letting me get into an accident. Thank you, Jesus, for not letting me run into this tree. Thank you, Jesus, for not letting me do this and that. But yet and still, we start panicking. Say, oh, Lord, I'm going to jail. Oh, Lord, I got to tell my family. I got to call. My, my, my kids got pulled over a couple of times when they were, as they were growing up. And they said, oh, Lord, I got to call mommy and daddy and tell them that I the police didn't pull me over. So just imagine, just imagine that there. But the good thing is that these men did not waver. They did not throw in the towel. They did not wave the white flag of surrender. But these brothers, but these brothers, but these brothers, but these brothers, through it all, through it all. Let's go back to verse 25 of the text. Verse 25 lets us know it was around midnight. Somebody say midnight, midnight, midnight. It was around midnight that these brothers are seen walking in that favor. They began praying, singing hymns to God. Verse 25 and 26 in the Amplified Version reads this way. But at midnight, when Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, listening to them suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the powerful, the power that the very foundation of the prison was shaken, and at once all the doors were open and everyone that were in chains were unfastened. Yes. Not just their chains, but the, but the Bible records that the favor was on everyone. It was extended to everyone. Everyone chains fell at that time. This is the kind of favor that I want to see in 2020. I, I want to see that favor that's extended to everyone, everyone that's attached to me. I want to see that double manifested favor. That's what I want to see. You see, these brothers did not let their afflictions have them doubt their favor. They didn't let it get the best of them. They prayed. These were praying brothers. I can only imagine when they started praying, the intensity started to grow. They began calling on the name of Jesus. 
Jesus, I need you right now. Jesus, I need you to heal my wounded and broken body. Jesus, I need you to comfort me. Jesus, I need you to put your hand upon me. Jesus, I need your spirit to fall down in this place right now. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, I need you. I need you. I need you. As they continue to pray, I imagine the Lord heard these brothers. The Holy Spirit showed up, and the Holy Spirit showed out. I, 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 I believe that the Holy Spirit provided instant peace and comfort. Since I'm still utilizing my imagination, I believe that they, I believe they started getting happy. Smiles started coming on their face. They started dancing. They were was, they was singing, and they started getting happy. I believe that they started feeling instant comfort. In my imagination, as they were singing, I still believe, and Minister Lamont, I'm going to help, ask you to help me out here. I'm, I'm dealing with my allergies here. But I believe they started singing, my hallelujah belongs to you. I, I, I really believe that's what they started saying because they started knowing that the praises, that the praises, that the praises that you give up. My hallelujah belongs to you. My hallelujah belongs to you. My hallelujah belongs to you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I really believe it. I really believe that's what they were saying. That's what they were saying. That's what they were saying down there in that dungeon. That's what they were saying in the darkness. That's what they were saying. My hallelujah belongs to you. My hallelujah belongs to you. And you know why I think they started saying that? Because what? They what? You deserve it. Yes, 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 God. You deserve it. You, you deserve, deserve our praise. You deserve our hallelujah. You deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve all of the glory. You deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve it, God. You deserve it, God. No one but you, Lord. No one but you, Lord. You deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve it. And then they went on to say one last dance. Why? Why? Because all of the glory. All the glory. All the honor. All the praise. All the praise you deserve it. You deserve it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I believe that they started getting happy and started singing and praising God, giving him all the glory all the honor and all the praise because why he deserves it 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 my hallelujah you deserve it you deserve Belongs to you. Thank you, God. 
Brothers and my sisters, I, I, I came this morning. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I came this morning to suggest that Paul and Silas knew the Lord's favor was upon them, even in the midst of their situation. Even in the midst of their situation, they knew about the power of praising God giving him the honor, giving him the glory. They, 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 they knew this was something that, 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 I, that I, I grabbed a hold to. They knew that the power of praising God, the praise activates his power. The praise activates the power of God. I, I really believe they knew that. If you want to see the power of God, just start praising him. Just start praising him. Just start giving him the praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I, I realize some Sometimes it's hard to see the Lord's favor in the middle of, of adversity or when circumstances get the best of us. But I came to tell you this morning, my Shiloh family, that this is your year. 2020 is your year. This is our year as a church body, as a family, as children of God. This is our year. This is our year. Because we know when the praises go up, the blessings come down. We serve a God that can do anything but fail. And for that reason alone, I will continuously to give him praise. As I come to a close, I would like to leave with you three quick elements that I pulled from the text that will help us when that, the doubting of the favor creeps into our life. Element number one. Have faith in the power of praise. Have faith in the power of praise. If we were to look at the text real closely, one would discover that Paul and Silas were beaten, thrown into jail, not really for a crime they were accused of. It was due to the prosecutor's knowledge that they were men of God, operating under the favor of God. The prosecutor believed that if they were able to dishearten and discourage these godly men, they would lose their faith. They would become sick and tired of being sick and tired, becoming weary, and it would distract them for the work that they had come to Philippi to do. As Christians, this is how the enemy attempts to move us from favor to frustration. This is what the enemy does to us. 
He beats us down with life challenges and locks our souls away in bondage, leaving us asking a question, Lord, where is the favor you promised me? Why are you allowing me to go through all of this? Have you forgotten about me? Where are you, Lord? But not these brothers, but not these brothers. Their faith did not waver at all. What we find that in the midst of what was supposed to defeat them, their faith became strong and they became cheerful. Their bondage were lifted. Let's revisit the text. Let's go back there. If I can try to make it clear, I think the Amplified Version shows us a little bit better. Verse 25 in the Amplified Version reads, But at midnight, when Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praising God, we'll stop there for a moment to drive that point home. They were singing and praising. They were singing and praising. After all, Paul and Silas had gone through, one would expect that these brothers would have started complaining and doubting, not singing and praising. After all they were, went through and things had went away, you know how we do sometime at the first sign of trouble. Our faith is out the window and we go right into complaining. Yet at midnight, they found their faith growing stronger as they prayed and praised God. Although they showed undeniable faith, the second element was displayed in the power of praise, which is needed. Have fortitude in the position of praise. 1 Corinthians 16 and 13 lets us know to stand fast in the faith, but lets us know we must be brave. In other words, we must have fortitude. Fortitude is defined as the quality of mind or spirit that enables a person to face adversity, difficulties, danger, and pain wherever one life circumstances bring their way. In having courage to stand on faith and giving God praise as we see, you will see the manifestation, manifestation of the power. God is not looking for weak Christians to show his favor. God is looking for strong Christians like Paul and Silas, who in the midst of their circumstances, knowing that death was knocking on their door, would stand before God and praise him so loud, everyone would think they had lost their everlasting mind. That's the kind of strength and courage that I want. We amplify fortitude in the position of praise, and it shows us in the Bible, yay, Though I walk through the valleys of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For my God is with me. We don't have to worry. God is with us. When we know that we are favored by the Lord, there's nothing in this world that we should be doubtful for. All you need to do is think of the goodness of Jesus. Think of the goodness of Jesus. Think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for you. Your very souls should cry out, hallelujah, hallelujah. And you should thank God for saving you. <laughs> Lastly, the last element before I close, I said that we need faith in the power of praise. We need fortitude in the position of praise. And real quick, we need to understand the fashion and the proficiency of praise. 
fashion and the proficiency of praise. In other words, we need to know the method of praise, simply said. Why? Because it activates the Lord's favor. The Bible lets us know that there are many methods in giving God praise. Hebrews 13 and 15 lets us know about giving God praise with our lips. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer sacrifice of praise to God, that it is the fruit of our lips, giving him thanks to his name. Praises through our lips. Psalms 149 and 3 lets us know about giving God praise through our dance. Let's praise him, his name with a dance. Praise through a dance. The second part of the verse is where we find fashion in the favor of praise. Let, it, let us know that singing praises unto him. Sing praises unto the Lord will get immediate attention. And this which will produce the favor in our lives. We find in paragraph, in verse 26, when Paul and Silas started singing, the Lord, they got the Lord's attention. He said, yes, I hear you. These are my boys. These are my children. Those are my sons down there. They're singing, they're praising me. He heard what they were saying. I will be their deliverer. God answered their prayers immediately. For as soon as God heard that sweet tune reach his ears, the foundation of the cell block began to shake. I work in a prison, and I know that a prison is made out of concrete and steel. They cannot be moved. They're built that way to keep the bad people in. So I know that they cannot be moved, but the Lord heard their praise. And he immediately responded by shaking up that prison. He shook the very foundation of that prison. The foundation, the concrete, the steel, it was shaken. I don't know about you, but I want God to shake a few things up in my life in 2020. Do I have a witness? I want God to shake a few things up because I have a few things tied up on my prayer list that I need God to shake it up for me. I need those ants. I need God to just shake it up, shake it up, shake it up, shake it up. The text provides a good example. It does not stop there. If we look at verses 27 through 31, what we find that God's power continued to move through the fashion and proficiency of praise. If we look closely at the text, what one would find is how the power moved on to the jailer. So not just the men of God and not just the prisoners, the jailers, the power overtook them. We would see that the jailer became so afraid when the cell doors opened that he drew his sword to kill himself. What the jailer realized in looking at his reality at that moment, he saw himself being responsible for the prisoners, and he would be held accountable if they escaped. Right now, as I said, I work in a correctional facility. If someone escapes out of my correctional facility, I'm going to have problems. I'm going to have problems. Reality. But the jailer, he knew that. He knew that the consequences for allowing someone to escape on his watch 
was deaf. So why put his hands at the source of the authorities to take his life? He was going to take his own life. Now we move on to see that the Lord's favor was extended to him. Paul lets us know that he yelled out to him, do not harm yourself. All of the prisoners are still here. It was at that very, very moment the jailer life gave his life to the Lord. And not just the favor was extended to him, it was extended to his whole household. His whole household. That's the type of favor I want. Not, Lord, just don't bless me. Bless everyone in my family. Bless my church family. Bless our bishop. Bless our diaconate boy. Bless everyone. That's the favor that we want to receive in 2020. Through the fashion and the proficiency of praise, not only were Paul and Silas able to get through their circumstances, they were able to extend God's power to the jail and his household. If you believe God's power, you can see it through your life's situation and circumstances. Why don't you stand to your feet right now and start giving God praise? Start giving God praise for 2022. I can't speak for anyone else here, but for me and my household, we will bless the Lord at all times. We will lift up the name of Jesus. We will praise him at all times. We will keep his name in our mouth. We will magnify the holy name of Jesus.